What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 109, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Revelations. Revelations! We are an independent podcast. You can help keep it independent and support the show. We got a patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate, which I guess I didn't need the indefinite article at the front of that one. You can go to patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate and you can help support the show. (laughs) Different tiers that give you different things. Uh, But uh, every dollar that we receive goes to supporting the show. Thank you so much to everybody who has been a part of that uh, since the beginning in some cases, and uh, we've picked up plenty of people along the way. It's super great. We deeply appreciate it very, very much. Uh, you will have some access to some really fun stuff that we do, uh, which is Patreon first, though uh, we uh, have committed to and will continue to always release all of that content on our main feed. It's just going to be a tad delayed. Uh, where can you find that content, you might ask? Well, no, you won't because you've found it. But uh, as we have made jokes before, maybe you want to tell somebody else about it. So where can they find it? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. Those are the big like players, big players that our stuff is on. But I prefer, if you're asking me what my preferred method of mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. consumption is. Stick mm-hmm. up your finger here. And then, and then, I, I literally had. It was my literally my podcast of choice is the podcast aggregator. I happen to, if you really want to get in the reads, I happen to use Overcast. I think it's great, but there's a ton of podcast aggregators out there, and you can find our show wherever podcasts are being found. It's all good. Indeed. Uh, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, just because this is the thing that we've been doing since the beginning-ish. Uh, so we're keeping it going. If you leave a review, we will do a dramatic recreation of it. Uh, there's been a... We've had a lot of fun with those dramatic recreations. Um, there's Some of them are a big pain in the neck and a ton of work. Others are a lot simpler. Uh, but it's still a lot of fun to do that. Uh, for folks who are international listeners, if you go to the Apple Music... No, Podcasts now. If you go to the Apple Podcasts app and you're an international listener... We don't see those reviews. So if you can take a screenshot of that and send it to us, we would then make the magic happen. So, Zach. Yes. If a person wants to have their words turn into literal magic Ooh. and they are an international listener. Yes. How could they inform us of that wonderfulness? Well, you could begin by emailing us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Perfect. I had to slow it down just a little bit because, well, A, it fit the mood. It did fit the mood. But also I realized that, you know, I can't go faster and faster infinitely. I'm like like the stock market. Eventually I have to go down. That's right. You have to do a course correction at Indeed. some point. Indeed. So you're setting you're setting the pace again there you a little go. bit lower. I got it. There you Smart. Go. Yep. Smart. Yep. Yep. And I was also thinking, so does Google Podcast, I know they did a big change of things there. Do they have like reviews and stuff on Google Podcast now? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm turning into such a grumpy old man. I hate Amazon, like with a passion. Google is like teeing themselves up to being just obnoxious right now. Apple is not making me happy in other different ways. Like, I'm just a grump. 
Well, so here's the thing is that corporations <laughs> are going to corporate and oh know, boy, are they ever. <laughs> and you know, so you've got to figure out how to navigate that as best you're going to do. Sure um, do, but to answer your question though, I don't know if they have done a reviewy thing now that they've done their big old revamp. And so recently. that is my question to you dear listeners who listen with Google Play or whatever Google Podcasts or whatever they're calling it these right. days. Uh, let us know if there are reviews there. Uh, point us in that direction, and uh, you know I, I don't want to be an Apple snob when it comes to our recreations. We'll happily recreate other things as well. Okay, nice. We got to know where to look, though. Well, that's true, but you know, help us out. Throw help us, us out. a Chevron, a Stargate Chevron. Just throw us a Chevron. Yeah. Ooh. There you go. There you go. All right. So you could email us at walkingthroughstargate at gmail.com, whatever type of stuff you want. Uh, uh, we've gotten several emails the last couple of weeks about lots of different things. So thank you very mm -hmm. much. I am trying to respond to those as fast as I can. But uh, Do you, you need know. my help? Oh, maybe. I, I, well, okay. So uh, possibly. So some of those okay. are, some of those are, well, no, I don't know. We haven't got too many spoilery ones lately. But anyway. That's kind of why I stay away from it. Because like, if a person wants to kind of get into the reads, I want to make sure that you have a chance to look at it first. Yeah. So if you are going to talk about anything spoilery, put like spoilery in, in, in the subject matter. And then Brent knows yeah. to not touch those ones first. And then I can vet those. Or like Brent look away. Or Brent, is that a bagel I see? Or, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Just just give us a signal. Just just give us a high sign. Yep. Just be like, hey, 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 Brent, you, you go over there now. I, I, you want to talk to Zach. So. Yeah. Uh, you could also um, find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We've got the Facebook group and page. Uh, and mm -hmm. then, of course, our website, WTTS.space. Space! Um, so. uh, and then, of course, Patreon, <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, if you are curious as to what you would, what kind of podcasts are available to the Patreon subscribers first, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you get a chance to listen to a couple of those in the next couple of weeks because uh, today is yes. our season finale of season five, and we are going to take a yep. couple of weeks off. Uh, I think probably about three weeks off. I think is that right, Brent? Yes, I uh, think that's right. Because this has been an absolutely exhausting couple of months, and uh, yes, it the has. next couple of weeks are going to be super <laughs> busy for me, especially. Um, uh, me too, there for go. completely different reasons. <laughs> um, and so we're going to take some time off, as we normally do, um, mm -hmm. before we move into a uh, Season 5 recap. But right. over the next couple of weeks, you will get an opportunity to listen to uh, one of our uh, Other Side of the Gate episodes and mm -hmm. one of our Stargate Second Chances episode. Mm -hmm. So That's right. those are coming out in the next couple of weeks. And so if after listening to those, you think, oh, I want to get those right away, because some of those are getting kind of old now, relatively speaking. That's right. Uh, if you want to get those right away, then you can do that by going to Patreon. So there you go. With all of that, Brent. Yes. Shall we dig into this episode and be have it revealed for us? Well, many. M we're going to have many things revealed. There are going to be lots of revelations. Yes, it's plural. We've established yes, this. Yes, in, in, yes. Th this is plural. <laughs> this is plural. So one yes. of the revelations about this. this episode is that it is directed by Martin Wood. This mm -hmm. is his last directing credit of the season. Huh. Really? He has no more directing credits this season. Hmm, that's a shame. Uh, you know, I understand, but, you know, it has to be last for everybody <laughs> at least sometime. 
<laughs> Look, all things come to an end, including season five. In- including season five. We can't, <laughs> we can't live in season five forever. We have to move on. No, we cannot. <laughs> we have to move on, which seems to be a bit of a theme. Okay. All right. So uh, that's Martin Wood. Uh, the teleplay is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. And mm-hmm. shockers of all shockers, this is their last episode <laughs> of this season. <laughs> No, you don't say. Oh man! I know we are not going <sighs> to get another Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully story in season five. Ah, oh, man! I'm just going to have to like what? Then, then what else is season five going to give me? Oh, how boring! Uh, actually, season five isn't going to give you pretty much anything else after this episode. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I mean, truly, it doesn't like, even you give really... you a cliffhanger. <laughs> Honestly, no, it doesn't. <laughs> There's actually a reason for that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Uh, we do have some guest actors for this episode. We have mm-hmm. Anna Louise Plowman returning as Osiris uh, mm-hmm. slash Dr. Sarah Gardner. Um, although, you know, we really don't see Sarah Gardner in this episode at all. It's just Osiris. No. So yes. there you go. We also have Terrell Rothery in this episode playing mm-hmm. the voice of Heimdall. I will freely confess that I saw the title card and Terrell Rothery as Heimdall. And I'm like, wait, 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 what's going to happen to Dr. Frazier? Like, I thought that that was <laughs> spoiling something that didn't actually happen. And so when Heimdall shows up, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Terrell Rothery. I can totally hear her mannerisms in there. Yeah. But anyway, yep. yep. Uh, Heimdall was also the first fully CG Asgard we have had. Ah, um, okay, so- okay. Uh, we have David Palfi returning as a new. Well, not returning. This is his first time as Anubis. Yes, yes. Uh, here. I'm showing up. Uh, now, this is, however, not the first time that we have seen and heard his name. Okay. We heard his name several seasons ago when he played Sokar. Oh, he was Sokar. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh man. So they. they really. And in fact. Uh, in fact, when people saw the title card and saw that David Palfi was playing Anubis, uh, many people thought, oh, it's Sokar, he's yeah. returned. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I will spoil this. No, uh, Anubis yeah, no, is Anubis. Fine. It's can, not Sokar. But can I, does, uh, okay, there are, there are three answers to this next question that you can give me. You can say yes, no, or you're going to have to find out, right? Okay. So those are your three options, Zach, okay. to this question. Okay. Is there space in my own head canon to let Sokar and Anubis be the same person? No. Okay. No. Fine. Fine. Um, Fine. I, I will say that while... Uh, so, obviously, with this episode, Anubis, while we get to see him, there's still a whole lot of unknown about Anubis. Yeah. Right? Yeah, apparently his face is an inkwell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh and we will learn more about who Sokar is and what's the deal with Sokar. Or not Sokar. I'm sorry. Anubis. Uh, Anubis. Okay, okay. We will learn more about who Anubis is and what the deal is with Anubis uh, I see. as the series I progresses. See. I see. Yep, 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 yep. Nice. So Good. I'm right looking Right now, to if you want to yep. imagine that Anubis is Sokar, well, okay, you can do that. But eventually, but I'm going to have you'll be proven wrong. Yes. Fine okay. by me. Uh, so a little bit about David because it's been like three years since we it was completely different. Yes, right. He's a film and television actor of Welsh and Hungarian descent. He attended Harvard and the University of Calgary, studying law. Mm, uh, okay. He left law, however, to attend the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. 
after which he appeared in a number of notable theatrical productions, such as The Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Richard III, uh, Strindberg's Miss Julie, and David Mamet's the, uh, Speed the Plow. Um, mm-hmm. Now, he uh, was living on a Dutch barge while living in London until his appearance in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket in 1987. Huh. Okay. That was one of his uh, earliest credits, though mm-hmm. uh, his first credit actually came, according to IMDb, came in 1985 when he played Lowell in the movie Storm, which is about two college students on a survival weekend in the wilderness. They cross path, paths with three desperate killers and what turns out into turns into a fight uh, for life. Wow. So, and, uh, you know, intense. oftentimes these like first IMDb credits for these actors, they're like playing like the third lieutenant of something, you know, nobody yes, cares right. about. But, as I was looking at this, like David Palfi in this movie Storm is like one of the main characters. Nice. Now, did he? So I might be jumping the gun, and I'm kind of glancing at our notes here. Studied law. Do you think? Was he like? Did, oh yeah, was in a number of notable theater, theatrical productions. Yeah. Okay. So I can kind of see how a person who has a lot of stage experience can jump into a lead role. It's not the same. Stage and film are not the same. But right. like, it's possible for a person with a bit of guidance to do it. Again, I suspect that this storm is probably, uh, you know, some a local friend program. of his <laughs> master's program. Type <laughs> so thing. Somebody's doing an MFA, and yeah. like, hey, I need um, you guys to, yeah, you know. But uh, you know, again, I haven't seen it. I didn't do a lot of study on it. Uh, he is also married to Erica Durance, who is an actress who uh, I remember her most from Smallville. She played um, Lois Lane in Smallville. Oh. Uh, in the later seasons yeah. of Smallville. Uh, and we will see Erica Durance in a future episode of Stargate at some point in time. Down the nice. road. We'll see her. Okay. So so that is David Palfi as Anubis. And suffice it to say, we will see Anubis and Palfi again uh, as the series progresses. Yes. And then we have PJ Johal, who plays Jaffa number one. <laughs> oh, is he the main, the main Jaffa dude? He's the main Jaffa dude. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's an actor and producer known for Cheats in 2002, Whistler in 2006, and The Guard in 2008. He was born in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first IMDb credit came actually just a couple of years before this episode aired in 2000 when he played a technician in an episode of Dark Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen Dark Angel? I don't think so. Uh, it it's had uh, Jessica Alba in it. Uh, she was the main character in it. Yeah. It was one of her early things, too. Um, I think... I want to say James Cameron was involved in it, but I could that guy could just be pulling that out of, of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, like, so, like, the reason why I was, like, saying I don't think so and not a hard no was because I'm like, no, I definitely don't think I've seen any episodes, but, like, I, was I vaguely aware of it at the time? And then when you said Jessica Alba, I'm like, oh, maybe I was vaguely aware of it, but I still didn't see it, yeah. any of it, so... Um, so this is one of those guys that, um, kind of, you know, has, as a great, uh, on stage, on screen presence. So mm-hmm. in the TV show Whistler, um, which is a, I believe a Canadian TV series, uh, mm-hmm. he was cast to be just a, a one-time guest actor for this background role, um, mm-hmm. for whatever. 
Um, but he did such a great job with that role that they brought him back for several episodes. He became a recurring mm. guest uh, yeah, star nice. in that show uh, based on his performances there. So Very good. All right. Another... Which... What? Go ahead. But he... But Jaffa number one was... I mean, I guess we should wait to get into it before we get into it. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tip it. Jaffa number one was really just there to just let us know just how bad Osiris was, even though that wasn't really necessary. Well, yeah. So I, I, I did say, I will say this, that when I was looking through IMDb and I saw PJ Jahal, Jaffa number one, I'm like, yeah, I could probably skip that. And then I watched the episode. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know what? He's actually got a significant role. Yes, he does. Um, and he actually shows emotions. And for yes. Jaffa to show emotions, even if he's only Jaffa number one, he deserves, <laughs> you know, a, a, a little bit of screen time or airtime. He's he's the number one, number two Jaffa in our hearts. Oh, yeah. the number one, number one Jaffa in our hearts is Teal'c. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So another one of the revelations about this episode is that it originally aired on May seventeenth, two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing so much because I put bookmarks in our recording so that I know where to put the chapter markers. And so I'm sitting there like I didn't I didn't realize you were shifting gears into the into the date that anyway, sorry. I don't know. It's a joke for me. Nobody else cares. I, I care. I, it's fine. Keep going. It's, it's, good. it's, it's good. all good. It's all good. Um and one of the revelations about the May 17th that has nothing to do with the episode, but in the UK or in the US, they were still listening to Ashanti being foolish. Yep. So, you know, I mean, you know. Good for us. Good then. for us. Then. Um, and in the UK, they were not being foolish, but they were wondering if tomorrow will never come. Or that is to say, Yeesh. if tomorrow never comes by Ronan Keating. Um uh, so I don't okay. know what happens if tomorrow never comes. That could be a real so, problem. Ronan Keating, we've heard him before. Yes, we have. I don't remember what number one jam he had before, and I think it was a while ago. Yes, but he's a he's a he's a he's a tenor crooner. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a heartstring puller. Oh. Tomorrow never comes. Oh yeah, this is totally gonna be a song. This is the best worst part about pop is that I can hear the title and I can pretty much tell you what the contents of the lyrics are. Zach, uh huh. If tomorrow never comes, he has to let us know now how much he loves her. Okay. Well, speaking <laughs> of love songs. Oh yeah. Um, and speaking of wondering if tomorrow will never come, will never come. That's pretty much yeah. what we were all thinking as we were watching Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, because we were like, "Oh dear God, will this movie ever end?" <laughs> and we were wondering if there was ever going to be any kind of chemistry between Hayden Christian and Natalie Portman. And the answer Ooh, boy. to both questions is, "Well, no," and then, "No." no. <laughs> well, which is really unfortunate. Yep. Yep. Um, oh. But listeners, the amount of, I'm interrupting you, Zach, and I'm ahead. sorry for doing so. This might give you time to sort of figure out where you want to go. I don't know why I said that. I have Whatever. no idea Just where I'm going. You. So go ahead. Yeah. The amount of hours, the amount of hours Zach and I have poured into with conversations with our good friends about the prequels, <laughs> the amount of hours that we have spent talking about them, uh, it's probably measured in the dozens, and I'm not kidding. Like, oh, yeah. we have spent 
way too much time talking about the Star Wars so, prequels. You know, j- just to derail even more your derailment. Yeah, sure. I was just thinking that one of the first things that's like we've been friends for for more than ten years. Uh, you and me? 15 years now. Yeah, more than 15. More than 15 <laughs> years. Good gracious. Uh-huh, yeah, we're old. But, but <laughs> do you remember that basically we began as friends via the Star Wars role-playing game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So yeah, yeah that's know, how it all started, yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. how it began. If it that's weren't it for began. Star Wars role-playing games. Yeah, we wouldn't, We, you and me, we wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Wow. Um, there you go. In any case, yeah. uh, <laughs> despite the fact, well, you know, I think here it is. Because everybody saw episode one of Star Wars and thought, oh, this was awful. Except for those who said yes. it was good. But there aren't very right. many. And they're like, no. surely episode two is going to be better. And so yeah. everybody went to. So we all watched it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This has got to be better. And it's got to be better. It wasn't any better. Nope. Uh, but because everybody went to go check it out, they kicked Spider Man off of the number one spot. Spider Man <laughs> fell to number two. Yes. <laughs> and then we all realized that Star Wars Episode 2 of Attack of the Clones was still unfaithful to the original source material, despite the fact Ooh. that it was by George Lucas. Unfaithful yeah, was yeah. number three. And, you know, Episode nice. 1 was about a boy. And Episode 2 is uh, about yeah. a boy who's just a little bit older and kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a boy. <laughs> And, and we all wonder how that the little boy could turn into this guy here in the amount of time when, like, Natalie Portman doesn't age hardly at all. And, and yet, That's right. You know, and so this is the new guy who's there. Oh, nice. New guy's number five. Yeah, there you did it. That's all right. You did that. Well done. All right. So. Oh, I forgot that all this time we've had uh, If Tomorrow Never Comes playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how that's going to overlay. I uh, We'll find out. We'll but, find you know. out. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so. funny. All right. So what was happening around May 17, as this episode was airing, the season finale was coming mm-hmm. about. Well, on May 15... Bowling for Columbine, which is a documentary directed mm. by Michael Moore, has its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on May 18th, uh, Victor Espinosa, run, uh, riding on War Emblem, wins mm-hmm. the 127th Preakness with uh, one a time of 1 minute, 57 seconds, and 36 tenths of a second, hundredths of a second. I, so we were talking about War Emblem a few weeks ago yes. for uh, the Kentucky Derby. I want to say that's true. So um, the Derby, the Preakness, and then there's a third one. And that's the, they call it what, the Triple Crown. Is that what they call it? Uh, I, I guess. Think so, yeah. So having a horse win all three is like a thing. Especially with And here's year. two. That's well. That's it. Is that you, you? You know, like if you win it in the same year, that's the triple crown. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know much about horse racing, so I probably should just shut my yapper. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. There's War Emblem again. All right. So on May 18th, the same day as the Preakness, Mickey Ward beats Arturo Gatti by majority decision in a junior welterweight boxing bout in Uncasville, Connecticut. The ring okay. fight of the year. The first fight in their legendary trilogy. Oh, super so, legendary. Yeah. So memorable. I've, Everyone knows it. I've never heard of it. 
Now, I am not a boxing aficionado. So, no, neither am I. So, yeah. you know, but. I'm, I'm sure that it was... Uh, if, if folks who like boxing probably think it's probably great. Absolutely. It's probably wonderful. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm not... The, yeah. So, on May 20th, a couple of days later, uh, the independence of East Timor... Is it Timor or Timor? Timor? Oh, I don't know. I was going to say Timor. Timor. Okay. But I don't know. The independence of East Timor is recognized by Portugal. Formally okay. ending 23 years of Indonesian rule and three years of provisional UN administration. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Portugal itself okay. was the former colonizer of East Timor until 1976. I see. I see. Okay, that's why. I get it now. Okay. Okay. I get it. So, And then two days later, on May 22nd, the American Civil Ra- during the American Civil Rights Movement stuff, a jury in Birmingham, Alabama, convicts former KKK member Bobby Frank Cherry of the 1963 murders of four girls in the bombing mm. of the 16th Street Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> so, um, it's also worth noting, and we'll probably talk mm-hmm. more about this in a few weeks when we do finally get to episode one of season six, but there's mm-hmm. only about a month or so between uh, the end of season five and the beginning of season six. Oh, really? Yeah. Let oh, me, interesting. Let me, now, now i got to double check that because that's what I have to do. But yep. according to my notes, <laughs> here, pulling them up real quick. There's season four, there's season five, there's season six. So the first episode of season, that's actually not even. It's June 7th is the first episode of season six. Really? So that's just. So like two weeks later. Holy cow-ish, two-ish, two and a bit. Yeah. Wow. Jeez, Louise. So. Yeah. So then speaking of cliffhanger, that's that's extra interesting. Whatever. Okay. Carrying on. Carrying on. So. One of the reasons I think that's happening is because this is the final episode that airs on Showtime. Right. And there was actually originally, uh, early on in the season, an anticipation that this would be their last season. Because they right. knew early on that Showtime wasn't going to pick them up. Um, at some point in time in the season, uh, it couldn't have been terribly late in the process, probably about midway through. They knew that um, uh, they knew that uh, Sci-Fi was going to pick them up. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, so they knew they were moving. And that's one of the reasons why this episode does not end with a cliffhanger. Because as we've mm-hmm. seen, every other season finale ends with a cliffhanger that picks up right. at the beginning of the next season. But not this one. And one of the reasons that was is because they wanted their sci-fi or their, their Showtime run to uh-huh. come to a conclusion. End cleanly. To end yeah. cleanly. Um now, I suspect that most of the people at the time who were watching on Showtime just moved cleanly over to, to sci-fi. sci-fi, but yeah. uh, that's not a guarantee, and so they wanted to make sure that they, if if they never watched another Stargate episode again, they would at least have something that felt reasonably close to an end. Interesting. Uh, but wonder... they obviously didn't want to end everything because the show was going to go on. Well, of course, right, but... Um... So I wonder if that was a showtime demand, basically, as in somebody with enough pull calling shots was like, look, here's the deal. We're not going to do a cliffhanger. 
So um, we're not going to set the stage so that you can pull viewership away from Showtime and into sci-fi. So here is a quote from Ooh, of Martin course there's Wood. a quote. And okay. he says, one of the things we did not want to do was leave Showtime with a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't have been fair to its audience. Brad, Paul Mully, and Joe Malazzi were very conscious of this and as were very conscious of this as they wrote the, the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. We still get to say farewell to our Showtime viewers while also hinting at what lies ahead for those at the Sci-Fi Channel. The last shot of Revelations is an homage to Daniel Jackson. It's especially right. moving in that it shows only three, not four of the characters we've come to care about. So it's hard. It doesn't quite answer yeah. your question, yeah. but it sounds like more than likely it was more of an internal thing. Uh, that's what that's what I would uh, read from that. Well, but then that that strikes me as a move basically out of the goodness of their hearts. Mm. So let's let me let me spin it this way. Let's pretend that I'm a showrunner and uh and I'm the one calling the shots and we were on Showtime and now we're about to go to sci-fi. I don't know if I care, right? Like I want those viewers to follow us to sci-fi. Hmm. And so if I put a cliffhanger in the story and say you can you can finish this up over there on sci-fi, um I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's 2021 Brent talking, right? Like maybe yeah. we're so used to it by now of of platform shifts uh, and those platform shifts like being completely agnostic uh, as to the impact on the um, fans because the fan because because the fans will go they'll go with you right um, I don't know yeah maybe 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 that's just my twenty years later bias showing on this one where back then that was like what 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 no one's gonna do that. Yeah, and keep in mind also at this point in time, sci-fi was still relatively brand young. Brand new, and yeah. Brand right. new. Um, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody was having the conversation with somebody about, okay, so we're moving to sci-fi. Um, now, here's another quote before I get to that. Um, sure. This is from Joe Malazzi. He says, we had all assumed that we would end our run on Showtime with the fifth and final season. And we mm-hmm. did on Showtime. But late in the show's fifth season, we received word that SG-1 had been granted new life. We were moving to sci-fi for a sixth and presumably final year. There was Hmm. much rejoicing, but also a bittersweet farewell to a place we'd call home for those five years. Showtime had been very, very good to us, and in as hmm. a final thank you, we elected to break tradition and not end the season on a cliffhanger. Ah, that I way, see. we figured our Showtime fans would have some closure, yet also have the option of continuing SG-1's adventures yep. elsewhere. So yep. I'm wondering if somebody somewhere didn't have this idea that says, gosh, we're going to be moving to this other station. We have no idea how good they're going to be for us and blah, blah, blah. It could turn into a giant pile of stuff yes and yep. so we want at least a decent ending here um yes. uh you know that that's the cynic I in me speaking no i think it's reasonable so. i think it's reasonable because i mean like like one of the things that we have to tell you and me we tell ourselves regularly is that what we're doing is that we are watching a television entertainment program right it's right. it is a it is a thing and at another level it is an artistic expression and only after those things are, are are justified inside our mind do we then go into it's this other universe that we can inhabit. So, at least for my point of view, like, yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense that they would want their art, their story, to have at least 
the ability to have one clean end here, even though they're not done telling the story because they're going over there and they don't know if they're going to. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. Right. Yeah. So uh, a couple of trivia things to talk about. Mm hmm. At the very beginning of the episode, we got this great steady cam work that kind of walks through oh, yeah. Daniel's mm-hmm. office there and, and Sam's there. There's actually a picture of Daniel on his desk, which is actually a picture of James Spader from the movie. Oh, I didn't notice. Um, nice. I didn't notice it. I hadn't noticed it before. Um, when I read that, I went to, I made sure to look for it. And yeah. I saw the picture that they're talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. If you actually look carefully, um, it's in shadows, so you Spader. can't really tell, yeah. but you can mm-hmm. tell kind of with the, the, you know, I mean, James Spader holds his body just a little bit different than Michael Shanks and all yeah. of that stuff. So you can look and say, oh yeah, okay, that, that is clearly from the movie. Um, yep. but it doesn't feel out of place. Um, as I mentioned before, this is the first episode where Asgard are shown as entirely CGI rendered. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Part of it was because they were using the actual puppet, puppet of an Asgard for Thor when he was... Right. Uh, so they needed something else for Heimdall. Um, and so also the, the visual effects guys said, like, hey, we want to try this new thing because it sounds like fun. So they had Terrell Rothery, who was, of course, Dr. Frazier, uh, doing mm-hmm. the voice of Heimdall. Um, mm-hmm. She was also on stage... Filming, mm-hmm. she just had this, this black T-shirt with a picture of an Asgard at the right level on her chest. <laughs> because <laughs> while, while Tara Rothery <laughs> is not a tall person, she is sufficiently yeah. taller than the three and a half foot Asgard. Oh, Zach, you have to know that there were jokes about where her eyes were. Oh, I'm sure they were. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so this created a distraction on set as Richard Dean Anderson, Amanda Tapping, and Christopher Judge were forced to speak to... They actually had a blinking light on Rothery's chest to show oh, where boy. that was. Uh, oh, boy. Was, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, boy. Um, and then I they mean, had to film everything multiple times because you had to <sighs> film it with her yeah. there so that the actors yeah. knew where to look. And then you had to yeah. film it again so that she wasn't there. Oh, boy. So that they they must put... have had a good time with that. I would hope they had a good time with that. I hope so. You know, I think that, I suspect, everything I've heard of course. is that yes. it was a very strong family feel with the actors. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and that's freaking hilarious that they have to talk to the middle of her chest. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just also like it's 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 like just so typically awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, funny. Uh, so uh, when they were walking through Anubis's hatak, uh, we've mm-hmm. actually seen those hallways before. They were the mm-hmm. hallways that were not quite finished being built for Wormhole oh, Extreme. Oh, yeah. Right? So, yeah. so they were using those when they were unfinished for Wormhole Extreme because it made perfect sense for that. And now of they course. are here all decked out and dressed up and painted and, and polished up and we get to wander through those halls again. That's so... I, I mean, I know that we're jibber-jabbering and we're already 35 minutes in already and we're not even into the synopsis yet. Yeah. Um, well, you know. but, um, like, but, the, but the production schedule, that's an interesting thing because Wormhole Extreme... Well, I don't know. It felt like it was forever ago, but I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I don't but you know, from a filming true. point of view, um, presumably they did not have that set like ready to go and sitting there for like a month and a half. 
waiting to film on it. They probably had it done day or two later, three, you know what I mean? And right. then they filmed, broke it down, did something else. Um, anyway. So curious. I suspect that they were using those sets also for other things because Wormhole Stream was like episode 12. And then after that, you mm-hmm. had Summit and Last Stand. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also had, um, let's see here. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you redress it for this. Well, Summit and Last Stand you know. would have been the other one that, that could have been used for. Uh, and then you right. got this. Um, so uh, the so in this episode, near the end, you have O'Neill talking to Teal'c saying, I don't think we're that much of a nuisance just yet. Uh, I don't know if you mm-hmm. caught that line. It was just kind of a throwaway mm-hmm. long line. As they were. However, that's a, 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 an exact quote of what O'Neill said at the beginning of the episode, The Enemy Within, which is, um, you know, Children of the Gods, and you have The Enemy Within. So it's the second episode of the series mm-hmm. when, when Apophis is throwing... Uh, Jaffa at the the iris just over and over and over again. He says, "I don't think we're that much of a nuisance just yet." And uh, now we get to hear that line again. Yep. Um, although this time, I think it's they're probably a pretty significant <laughs> nuisance at this point in time. Yeah, but uh, nice again, another bookend. Yep. yep. Uh, so I do have one more quote from Brad Wright. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are introducing a new villain, Anubis, at the end of Season 5. One who will become our primary antagonist throughout Season Mm 6. Next season will be SG-1's last. So even when this was being written, there was an assumption that Season 6 would be the last. But what I'm planning is for Season 6 to build towards a climax that actually is a Stargate SG-1 feature film. So at this point in time, they figure Season 6... Build it up, build it up, build it up, and then season, well, season six will be the end, and then yep. crash into a movie uh, for that, and uh, we'll have Anubis be the big bad for the movie. That's yeah. what was the original plan. Of course, it didn't happen that way because nope. it got renewed and renewed and renewed and Seven, renewed. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. Yep. All right. So this episode, Revelations, in other yes. languages. In French, oh, they call yes. it Revelations. <laughs> Uh-huh. In Italian, they call it revelations. In Spanish, yeah. it's revelations. In Czech, yeah. it's surprising revelations. Oh, yeah, but, okay. You know, hey, there you go. In the Hungarian, yeah. they call it recognitions, which uh, okay. probably just because things translate weird into different languages, and you know, but yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That, 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 that tracks. The Germans. Yeah. The secret of the Asgard. Uh, again, again with the tradition of being kind of on the nose, but they did not give it away. That's true. They didn't say, hey, the Asgard are all clones and they're dying. Yeah. <laughs> Nor do they say Thor Thor dies, then he comes back. I mean, I know he never died, but you know, Thor's dead. No, he's not. He's in a coma. Oh, dear. Well, Anubis know. is bad. So what if I told you that Thor yeah. does die in the series? I, I, that wouldn't completely shock me. But I could be saying that just to throw you off the trail. That's true. It is now on record that friends of the show are purposefully trying to mislead me. Oh, yeah? Who's doing that? Hmm. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> See that? I can play that game, too. Oh. So, it was the cat. So, so that, that that's like that's like when somebody comes to me and says, so people are talking. I'm like, really? Which and you're people? like, who, who? Uh, you know, I don't know. Just people. I'm like, people oh, okay, so if people have a complaint, so, why don't you tell said people to come talk to me themselves, and then I'll talk to them about whatever the complaint is. 
Yeah, oh, well, I would never want to do that. <laughs> Funny how that works out. Yeah, I, in my line of work, there's often a lot of uh, weight put behind the idea of, quote, everybody, unquote. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'm willing to help everybody. Can you please forward the complaints or the, to me, please? And then everybody constitutes like a tenth of 1% of the total people that I actually, you know what I mean? Like it's it's pretty low. Well, it, pretty it, low. it is... It has been my practice for a long time, and it continues to be so. If somebody comes and says, so people are complaining, or people want to, you know, did you know that people are saying this? Mm. Uh, my response <laughs> has always been, uh, which people? Yes. And if the specific people who are saying X and Y are not identified, then I'm says, you know what? I am not going to operate on what quote-unquote, people are saying. If I think that is why specific people have specific complaints, then I will certainly listen to what they have to say. But I'm not yes. going to listen to you tell me what people are saying. Uh, and if you are the people, then just admit just it. Just say it. And say, <laughs> I have a complaint with this. And then you yep. and I can have a conversation about yep. that. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, it's better to imply that there's more weight and therefore make it scarier. Oh, yeah. Maybe if it's well, scary you know, if enough, I say things will People change. are saying that could be hundreds of people. Hundreds? Thousands, thousands of people. You know, this is usually for me happening in the context of my church, and we don't have thousands of people. No. But the implication is that there are thousands of people who are dealing with this. I mean, everybody knows it, Zach. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Naturally. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. So uh, I do have one okay. more goof I want to toss in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 41. Sorry. No, it, uh, who cares? It's our show. We it's can our do show. Want. It's our show. Yeah. Uh, this is also the season finale. That's true. Where do we go from here? Sci-fi. Season six. <laughs> so, um, what's the goof? <laughs> so, um, it's me. I'm the goof. Well, we're both goofs in that regard. <laughs> who are the goofs? We are. We are. Okay. So, um, you know, there are several scenes where we see Carter popping up as a hologram and helping out O'Neill and Teal because they're running through it. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a scene, and I looked for it, and I missed it uh, when I watched the show, and I missed it when I was listening to the commentary, um, but I believe it's there because people are talking about it. Uh, there is actually a scene where you can, if you look carefully on like the edges, you can see Carter crouching down on the right side of the corridor, waiting to pop up as the hologram. Uh, so, you know, yep. So there you have it. Uh, um, there you have it. Now you a have little bit of, a little bit of the bleed tricks of photography. It's like, oh my it's, goodness, it's like, it's like when you're framing a show when somebody's talking and then somebody like pops their head into the side of the frame and goes boo, and the person yeah. it has to be like surprised that somebody showed up there, and you're like, yes, dude, you realize that he was literally two feet away, and then he just yeah. stuck his head where the camera can see him and made the boo sound. It, it looks but Zach, that is acting, 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 acting. It is acting. And now as we continue our acting, acting. we come to the synopsis of the show. We yes. are finally at 43 minutes and 49 <laughs> seconds on my clock here, ready for the synopsis. And just to throw oh. a wrinkle into all your plans and expectations, I'm asking Brent to do this. Yes. 
So what you don't know, friends, is that I have drank about a half a box of Joe and Zach had a migraine this morning. So we had to switch up our roles. So I will read the synopsis. Are you ready, Zach? Um, sure. Okay. I'm always ready. He, He is, friends, he is always ready. That's his middle name. Zach, always ready. Last name. Previously on Stargate SG-1. <laughs> Osiris wow. is... Rep- yes, I know. Osiris is representing the Gould Anubis, which is impossible. You proclaims Anubis is dead. Osiris is all too happy to point out that you made the assumption after he attempted to kill Anubis. Oh. However, however, why is there a however in there? Oh, whatever. Also, Daniel has taken an incredible amount of radiation to his body due to direct contact with his right hand. Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait. Man, I, he contacted his really, right hand? I know, I know. I, I wrote, uh, I hadn't had a, bo- a half a box of coffee when I was writing this. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. All right. Well, Daniel has taken an incredible amount of radiation by directly contacting something with his right hand because that was sort of the way that it was written. Whatever. It's a lethal dose, sir. Daniel will miss everyone. Jack. We'll miss Daniel. And Daniel ascends. Woohoo. Oh, wait. And Aww. now. I mean, woo haw. Maybe that's probably the yeah, It's a yay. Yeah. Hmm. An Fine. Asgard built. Why am I the one reading this? Bill. Beliskner. Beliskner? Yeah. Boy, that's a funny word. An Asgard Beliskner class ship confronts two Gould Hataks in orbit above planet Adara 2. Osiris is confident, but then she always is. They are being hailed, and it's Thor. He orders them to retreat because they are in violation of... Wait a minute. They're in violation of the Protected Planets Treaty? This thing is a pressure cook... Whatever. All right. Okay, carrying on. The Guahuld are not supposed to be there because the planet underneath is under the Protected Planets Treaty. Thor is... What are they protecting exactly? Well, among other things, this really... So, probably... I don't know, but that's really not important to the story. The fact is that it is a protected planet. It's a protected planet. Fine, fine. Okay. All right, where am I at? Uh, He orders them to retreat because they are in violation of the Protected Planets Treaty. She refuses, so Thor has no choice but to open fire. Surprisingly, his weapons have no effect. Oh, no. At Stargate Command, Major Carter sadly looks over Dr. Janion's Dr. Janion's Blacksons. That's where I was going to go with that one. Okay. Sadly looks over Dr. Jackson's belongings when General Hammond arrives. Did you want to interrupt? No, I'm fine. Okay. Do you want me to interrupt? The two. No, it's all right. I mean, just, uh, just check it in. Yeah, I'll, I'll interrupt whenever you want me to. No, no, no. It's fine. It's okay. Fine. Okay. All right. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. You got this. Okay. I believe in I you. I got this. Oh, thank you. Mostly. <laughs> the two have a heart to herd. A heart to herd. I know this thing is so full of typos. Heart to herd. <laughs> All right. The two have a heart to heart. You see, I shouldn't be laughing because this is do the you, emotional. Do you need me to read the, your writing? Uh, no. And also, this is the emotional heavy part of the episode. All right. All right. All right, all right let me get all my right. head back in the game. Okay. The two have a heart to heart. Carter is struggling to accept that Daniel is gone. Hammond attempts to console Carter by noting that. They aren't actually sure Daniel is dead. Somehow, that doesn't make it better. Hammond briefly tells Carter of his experience of a friend missing in action. While flying a sortie over Vietnam, his friend's plane was shot down. Hammond saw the friend bail out. He saw the chute open. But that was it. 
No body was found. The Vietnamese army never claimed to have his friend as a prisoner. There was just nothing. How did Hammond deal with it? By learning to live with it. The talk is interrupted with an unauthorized off-world activation, and as the two arrive to the gate room, they realize that their visitor is none other than Frere of the Asgard. Frere informs them of the Gulwuld attack on Adara II, and that Thor was killed. With the Gulwuld showing that they have, with the Gulwuld showing that they have more advanced weapons, the Asgard can no longer be certain of victory when dealing with superior numbers, and therefore none of the protected planets are safe including Earth. He asks them to rescue a scientist who is trapped on the planet. The Asgard are unable to spare any ships in their fight against the replicators. Colonel Jack O'Neill swiftly and surprisingly agrees to do so. At least it was surprising. It was surprising to me. Sure. Absolutely. As they prepare to leave, Sam tries to talk with Jack, who is pretending like nothing happened, only for Jack to shut her down, stating that they've got a mission. And importantly, Daniel is gone. What does Sam want Jack to do about that? SG-1 takes a teltac to the planet, and Sam talks with Teal'c about Daniel and Root. Daniel has accomplished a great feat. His ascendancy is something that every Jaffa wished to achieve themselves. Carter understands that, but it doesn't make it any easier. She would rather Daniel was still with them, rather than ascended. Teal'c feels the same way. When they arrive, they are confronted with a hostile planet, much like Venus, incredibly thick atmosphere of mostly carbon dioxide, and an external temperature surpassing 400 degrees Fahrenheit. But just as they begin to think through how to get into the laboratory, they are beamed directly into the laboratory. Woohoo! That was easy. There Ooh. they meet the scientist, Heimdall, who informs them that Thor is still alive, but imprisoned by the Gould. Sensors and communications within the lab are able to penetrate the shields of the Hatak, and they can locate Thor and communicate with him. O'Neill uses the communication pad to talk with Thor, letting him know that help is on the way. However, Thor refuses to be rescued because Anubis will soon arrive, and Heimdall's research is too important. What research could be so important? Heimdall informs them that the Asgard are all clones, and that they are suffering from genetic degradation. The research here is vital to the Asgard's survival as a people. Thor's knowledge is vital to the Asgard's survival as a people and humanity's survival as well. There's only one option. They then develop a plan to rescue Thor and get off the planet with the research. When Anubis arrives, Jack and Teal'c will transport up to Osiris's ship. With Sam and Heimdall's help, they will be able to avoid capture. Phase one of the plan goes off without much of a hitch, but the Hatak ship sensors identify the unauthorized arrival of one in one of their gate rooms. Intruders. The security details begin to sweep the ship. Meanwhile, Anubis and his security detail move to interrogate Thor, walking directly past the hidden O'Neill and Teal'c. Anubis confronts Thor and informs him that resistance is futile. Anubis will implant a device into Thor's brain which will link with the ship's computer. All of Thor's knowledge will simply be downloaded. Mm. Meanwhile, Osiris realizes that the intruders are not so easily caught when a security detail is defeated. She orders the coolant of the engines be vented into the lower decks. Though many Jaffa will die, it will have the intended effect of stunning the intruders. Carter uses the communication pad to tell Jack and Teal'c about what lies ahead in the interrogation room, but stands there helpless 
as they are rendered unconscious when the coolant enters the hall. On the planet, Heimdall shows Sam that Jack and Teal'c are alive and well, though captured. Their options of rescuing them grow limited, and, Heimdall's, and Heimdall shows the source of his research work and why it's so important to secure. It's an ancient Asgard, one who traveled in a starship 30 millennia ago in stasis. This traveler's genetic material is the key to sustaining the Asgard today, and this traveler is the only one left. Heimdall beams, the tel- beams to the Teltac with the Traveler and the research in preparation of a swift departure, while Sam returns to the lab to help her team. On Anubis's ship, the imprison... I guess it's more Osiris's. Whatever. On the, the, the Hatak, uh, the imprisoned Jack and Teal'c are contacted by Thor, who is able to control the ship's computer through the mental link. Well, he downloaded Though- into the core, so of course, well, naturally. Of course. Though Thor will not be able to do much more, he is able to open their cell. The call is coming from inside the computer, Zach. <gasps> Carter is once again able to contact Jack and Teal. And another last-ditch plan is made to disable the shields. They can do so by disabling the crystal interface that controls the power. And once down, the Asgard transporter can be used to get everyone off. Yay! But the laboratory is found by the Gould, and they use their weapons to blow away into it so they can transport inside. With some guidance, Jack and Teal'c are able to find the crystal interface, open it, and ponder briefly about which crystal to pull. Carter, still on the communication pad, looks confused for a moment, as though she heard... Someone's there in the lab. Zap! Someone with a zat gun! Carter collapses! Meanwhile, Osiris and some troops enter the laboratory... Well, they did that... Yeah, okay, fine. Osiris and some troops had entered enter the laboratory and whatever and capture Sam with Osiris demanding to know where Daniel is. Sam tells Osiris to forget it. In response, Osiris proceeds to torture Sam with a Karakesh. No! Back on the Hatak, another security, another security detail is arriving. But our heroes make short work of them through hand-to-hand combat and O'Neill ensures that they won't be popping up anytime soon. With staff weapon in hand, Jack makes the decision on how to disable the shields, with the resulting ship system going offline as the crystals are blowed up. Woohoo! Go team! Back in the underground lab, Osiris stops torturing Sam with a Karakesh and asks her again where Daniel is. Sam replies that Daniel's dead, which leaves Osiris stunned. You know, Zach, actually, that might be where we see Dr. Sarah yeah. Gardner. Is that her yeah. last name? That Gardner. might be where. Yep, we see her for like a half a second there. Yeah. She tells Sam that she's lying, with Sam telling Osiris to go to hell. Oh, go to Sokar. Go to, go to <laughs> that place. Well, he's dead too. Whatever. Thanks to Jack destroying the crystals, Heimdall is able to beam Jack, Teal, Thor, and Sam onto the Teltac. However, because of the device in Thor's brain, they are located and nearly destroyed with the first shot, preventing them from escaping in hyperspace with, this is a poorly written sentence, Teal'c remarking that they cannot sustain another hit. Yeah, no, they're they're getting, they're getting blowed up. Oh yeah, yeah, that's bad, the bad news. Just in time, suddenly three O'Neill class Asgard ships under the command of Freyr arrive and confront the Hatak and Anubis is forced to flee. Back at the SGC. SG-1 is debriefed. Sam informs the team that Anubis's device has been removed from Thor's brain, but that has left Thor in a coma. Hmm. The Asgard are studying it in hopes to learn how to save Thor. But this news is daunting. Clearly, 
Anubis has had access to advanced technology, and that explains his rapid rise to power. At the end of the day, Jack, Sam, and Teal'c are on their way off the base. They're going to go out to get a bite to eat, but there's an odd breeze inside the base, though no one is really sure what caused it. Jack enters the elevator with a smile. The end. The end. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. Revelations. Yeah. What I think. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I thought, Jack. <laughs> okay, I honestly wasn't expecting you to go with that that way. I love it. Uh, I'll. I, I, this one, boy, this one is a this one's a bit of a pickle. A little bit of a pickle, and I like pickles. Is it a dill but, pickle um, or a sweet pickle? Uh, I'm gonna go with dill. Mm. I'm gonna go with a dill pickle, and I like dill pickles. Okay, but um, this. This episode felt like I was reading, uh, reading an entry in an encyclopedia. Frankly, like there was work that was attempted to be done on the emotional side of the equation at the front half of the episode, or front quarter of the episode, and they did try to signal that they're going to get into the actiony part of the episode now because it's just time to get to work, but it felt pretty thin and it didn't feel satisfying i was about to say it didn't feel genuine that's not true it didn't feel satisfying it felt like the the, i i I, the fan of the show and the fan of the character of daniel jackson still needed more time to see my heroes process this and i wasn't getting a lot of it at all uh quick pause there um yeah i don't want to derail other thoughts but uh they were talking about this on the commentary and Mm, yes joe and paul were like so the fact of the matter is, there is nothing that we can do to adequately um, deal with the emotions of Daniel's departure. And so what they chose to do is to acknowledge that even our characters have some significant emotional baggage here, but they don't have time to deal with it because they have other things they have to deal with. So that was their intentional decision on that. I think that it is possible though daunting and i'm armchair quarterbacking that it would, we would have been never possible do that what are you no talking? we would never do that no 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 never um that it would be possible to tell a 40 minute television story that that had action while also navigating through the processing of daniel's death mm. but in this episode there was a front third and a back two third and the front third felt expository about how our characters had emotions and how they were choosing to deal with it or not deal with it and then the back two thirds was you know all about the problem solving right with with a little itty bitty nod there at the very end about how daniel's always with us it didn't it, it wasn't a crunch that satisfies. That's that's basically what I'm driving at. Okay. But, and the information in this episode is, there's a lot. Boy, oh boy, there's a lot of information in this episode. Woo-wee. Um, but it wasn't very, um, 
exciting. Mm. I'm really being careful with my words because by definition, the story was trying to go for exciting. Like, that's what the pacing was trying to set up. That's how the problems were setting up. That's how the the you know plan one plan two plan three had to you know like the the the, the adjustments that had to happen like the, the whole point was that this thing was trying to be exciting but yet somehow it didn't really feel that exciting and i can't quite get my hands around why it didn't quite feel exciting it had all the pieces but it might be that they were trying to tell me too much in a short amount of time so they didn't do a poor job of it but what ended up happening is that after 40 minutes I learned a ton. Boy, did I learn a ton. But I didn't really feel much. Like, I wasn't particularly excited. I wasn't particularly uh, tense. Mm -hmm. I wasn't particularly sad. I wasn't particularly joyful. It's just, Daniel's gone. What what do we want to do about it? We're going to do nothing about it, which that's okay. I I have problems about that just in general. But, you know, fine, fine. So, okay, off we go. We're pivoting. We're just bottling it up. And then... We've got ourselves a humdinger of a problem, right? We've got a newly powerful ghoul wooled, which is good, at, you know, good information. Like, holy cow, they have stepped it up a notch with their technology. They are now able to stand toe to toe against the Asgard. Uh, they uh, have a bad guy that is realistically much more bad than the ghoul would have been yet. Right. And that's good information. We have information about why the Asgard are the way they are, um, what that might imply or entail, a little bit of a door out, right? So like this is not the beginning of the end of the Asgard. This 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 traveler from 30,000 years ago is the key to keeping the Asgard going. Great. Um, a little bit of a, of a of a of a tense situation to get that that uh, that that traveler and the research off the base and get everybody safe and and rescue our friends and get them safely off and then and then get away like all of that was pretty neato and you know having having a couple or a few um o'neill class starships that's also fun too. show up and scare off anubis all this is good but it never really rose to the level of like me deeply caring about what was going to happen next or really worried about what was going to happen next. Um, it just kind of had this flow to it, which was not bad, but it just didn't really hook me. Mm-hmm. And that's curious because I mean, this one really should, shouldn't it? And certainly with these levels of exposition of like Gould are bad now and Asgard are not able to save the day, but, and Asgard have their own flaws and failings. Um, also, are the replicators just basically done? Like, don't you don't you don't have to tell me one way or the other, but okay. like it really did kind of give me the strong impression that the Asgard were able to analyze the android and get themselves the meaningful upper hand over the cuz that's basically what Sam was saying at the end. Right. Like, you know, yeah, they're they're going to be able to kick these kick kick the tails of these replicators now. Um so, you know, good news there. Uh, but that seems like a peculiar way to sort of write off what was supposed to be like the generations long, uh, plight of the Asgard. (laughs) (laughs) Like, mm. all right. So I will say this, that, um, we will see replicators again. Sure. There. Okay. We will see replicators again. So 
whatever else happens, this is not... Um, this is not the end of the replicators. The end of the replicators. Fine, fine. But yeah, so it kind of adds up to, um, you know, a dill pickle. I mean, I like a dill pickle, but it's 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 not a Reuben. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. It, it goes along with a Reuben. You got yourself a dill pickle with a Reuben. Woo, you're having yourself a good time. But it itself is not the sandwich. So I'm kind of like, meh, I don't know. So what about you? What do you think about this episode? So... You know, a lot of what you say I resonate with. Um, this is an episode that uh, I appreciate because it, I mean, we've heard Anubis's name, but we get to see him and we get to actually see some of his power play out. The fact that he now has shields on his ships, at least some of his ships. Yes, yes, uh, yes. That, that protect them against the Asgard. I like that. That's cool. Uh, that adds a whole nother layer of threat for the Gould again, I mean, for the last several years, when the or Earth has been under the Protected Planets Treaty, um, there has been some semblance of saying that Earth itself is off limits. And of course, early mm-hmm. on in the season, with the whole rock thing being tossed at the, the planet, uh, we know that uh, Anubis isn't really concerned with what the Asgard are saying or would be right. doing with it. But now we know why he's not concerned because he's actually got some tech that that uh, can do that. And of course that whole yeah, spiky, yeah, yeah. you know, ball to stick yep. in somebody's brain to get them to tell all of their secrets um, is beyond their technology. That's, that's a big deal too. That um, is a big deal. Yes. You know, so all these things, the introduction of Anubis is, I mean, we still don't know very much about Anubis, but even with just right. this, there is a real sense that Anubis has got some teeth and is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciate that. I like that element of it. Um, I like that uh, in the beginning, you've got those elements of Carter trying to process her emotions and the general kind of helps her with that to some degree. And, you know, when Freyr comes, she's a little bit hesitant to take this on, not because she doesn't want to do it, but because she's wanting to process her own stuff. And of course, right. O'Neill is like, Dude, I you know this is kind of a, a, a typical uh, butch man thing to do. He says I don't have feelings. I don't need to deal with. It. I'm just going to jump back in there and get the job done. Just right, 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 right. right. The best way to I get mean, over on it the flip is side, done. Despite yeah. saying that, that's also exactly what you would expect O'Neill to do. Uh, the last time he had this anywhere something close to this kind of problem was when he his son shot himself. Um, yeah. And, of course, in that situation, he shut himself completely down to the point of considering yes. suicide uh, yes. way back in the early parts of the movie. Um, and this whole process, what saved him then is jumping back into the pool and getting going again. And you see him doing that again here. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. And then you've got, you've got the, the issues, you know, Carter's like, Sir, we need to deal with this. And he's, he's like, what do you want me to do? We're dealing right. with it. We're moving on. That's what we do. Um, and, of course, he needs more than that. But that's just where he is at that moment. And so I like that. Um, I really appreciate the interplay between Teal'c and Carter when they're in the Teltec on the way there. Uh, that, that's just a really strong, heartfelt moment between those two characters. It's great. I love mm-hmm. that uh, this episode has the Asgard back in it. 
um, we see that the Asgard have some significant problems. They're clones of clones of clones of clones of clones of clones of clones for <laughs> thousands and thousands of years. They're clones of clones of clones of clones of clones. I was I was chuckling to myself when 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 the reference of a copy of a copy of a copy was made. Yep. Because while we absolutely do still have copies around, and people probably know what that is actually getting at, like the more realistic thing that one can say about 2021 is that the copy of a copy of a copy is a copy of a file which is a perfect copy of the original file like you know what i mean like the that analogy might yeah. be better said a scan of a printed scan that you scanned after printing and you do that several thousand times and you do that several times yes yeah um even when you run it through some um you know denoising software have you seen those things where they'll take a JPEG or something? They'll take, take like a GIF or something. Yes, GIF. Although I did hear, never mind. They'll take a GIF and then run it through a compression algorithm and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And it just gets real bad real <laughs> fast. So, you know, that's, 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 that's an analogy. Yep. You do that enough times and then your, your, your Asgard are like three foot tall and with big giant eyes. Right. You know, and so, you know, I, I like that. And the issue here, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that with the replicator threat, if they found this 30,000 year old uh, preserved uh, pre Asgard uh, and yep. they have this deal, uh, it makes total sense that they would actually build this base, the science facility um, on or in this galaxy, and even on a protected planet. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, it does beg yeah. the question, what was it about this planet that made it a pr- valuable enough to be put on the protected planet? Well, um, y- yes. But... Now. But, well, I don't know, dude. Do you, How old do you think the protected planet... Stre- how old? So the Gould... Sorry, friends. We're going off on a tangent here. Oh, that's what we do. The timeline is a little bit squishy, and we've kind of talked about how the timeline's a little bit squishy. Right. But... Um, Ra in the squishy timeline was subjugating Earth 10,000 years ago. Right. And the Asgard were intergalactic travelers 30,000 years ago. Right. And, well, not really. This ship got lost, basically. Well, so, still, so y- the Protected right. Planet Treaty is probably tens of thousands it's probably like 20,000 years old it, it would not sure. be a stretch to say it's 20,000 years old and so what was that planet like 20,000 years ago yeah, well you know unfortunately even 20,000 years is a bit of a drop in the bucket for geologic stuff so maybe not that different but it could have been could have been different but there could have been maybe something there i mean who knows but you know who knows? at this point in time it, it's it's a protected planet tree okay okay fine. yes um so you know all of that stuff makes sense uh it you know it's it's cool um i like it then you know when you have to we have to save thor from the from anubis and such yes um, yes you know that's exciting they go on the ship and they have to navigate uh through these hallways and and carter has to use her sensors from the asgard on the planet to navigate and get them through and and save the day even a couple of times with a yep. uh, uh healthy distraction um yes hey know, guys all of this stuff in pieces are really cool. Um, right. And then when you put it together, um, it works. It continues to work. It works. Continues to work. Uh, you know, the plan f- breaks, but then they f- come up with a new plan and it keeps working. And then when it's all said and done, you're like, no, oh, okay. Zach, 
Okay. Have you ever eaten at a Beatty's Mongolian barbecue restaurant before? I have not. Okay, it's a chain. It's I think it's still a chain. It was definitely a chain in the late 90s and early 2000s when I know, knew about it. And the whole premise is that you go to this restaurant and it's basically a buffet. But what you're doing is that you're buying a bowl and you go up to the buffet line. And in the buffet line are a bunch of raw ingredients. And you're building your own stir fry and you and you put it all together and you hand it off to some line chef or some line cooks who throw it on a big old grill and they use their sticks and they cook it all up and they chop it up and sometimes they're doing tricks with pineapple and then they put it back in your bowl and they hand it back to you and you go back to your table with your chopsticks and you eat it and you're like oh my goodness this is the best oh this is so good and what they've done is they've tricked you into thinking that the stupid mash that you have come up with is actually good because you put it together um but in reality you're sitting there trying to make 15 different flavors work that actually don't work (laughs) and I'm kind of wondering if that's maybe where I am with this episode, where you've got several things that are pretty darn good, but somehow they don't really work together. They're not bad. They're not bad, but it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, this, this is a perfectly fine episode for me. Yes. Um, and what it does for the meta story is mm. wonderful. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's top mm-hmm. notch for what it does for the meta story. Yeah. But the story on its own. And that's, I think, even not knowing what's coming next. I think it's fair to say that this is a really good sto- story uh, in terms of what it reveals in the meta narrative of the whole series. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if you don't know the rest of the series. I think that... Um, and and honestly, if I were had been watching this show for several years on Showtime, and we see this episode, and it kind of comes to an end, I'd be like, dude, I want to go to sci-fi and see what the answers are to all of these things that they set up sure. here. Sure, yes. Um, so you've got some of that going on, those, those you know, teasers there. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes you get a whole bunch of things, you throw it into a pot, and uh, the the result is greater than the sum of its parts. And sometimes you throw it onto a pot and the result is exactly the sum of the parts. And that's yeah, all there is yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, probably a better way to say it. Yeah. And, and yeah, for me, I, I think that's kind of where I sit with this episode. There's a lot of good things and a lot of good acting, the visual effects, the Heimdall stuff was just yep. really, really good. It actually, yep. it 20 years later, it still holds up the si- the the visual effects the sci the oh yeah you know the special effects there that stuff holds well that's because they had a stand in to look at well yeah but I mean I'm even just, so yeah, I mean they no, even I'm had being, they had hearkening. Thor and Heimdall in the same shot so you had a physical puppet and a digital character right oh, yeah, next yeah, to each yeah. other and it looks like you've got two legitimate characters interacting they with each other they did a really good job absolutely so, you know uh, there's a lot of good stuff in this episode. Um, and yet it's just kind of right there. I think you nailed it. I was, I think I was being a little bit too harsh with my analogy about how all of the stuff together makes for a a gross mess. No, but your point is exactly on all of the pieces equal the sum of the pieces versus other stories where all of the pieces together, um, elevate 
all of the pieces. Right. And we can look last week's episode, Meridian. Uh, that's an episode yeah. where we didn't talk a lot about it. We mentioned it a couple of times. But there are actually some problems with the plot of that story. Uh, there are things that you can oh, look yeah. at there and like, oh, okay, wait, wait, huh? Uh, mm, uh. And yet, when right. it's all said and done, we both gave it eight chevrons. And yes, so this yes. Is the, yeah. One of the pinnacle points, the highlight moments of the series. That's what an eight chevron yeah. means, functionally. Yes, um, yes. And yet, there are some problems there. And yet, what we have there is the end result being way better than the sum of the parts. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and so even if you had a couple of onions in that stew that that maybe were just a smidge past their prime, and, you know, <laughs> you don't really care because it just gets all mixed up in there and you have a great it all It all great, worked itself out. Yep, stew yep. or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yep. So I think we are ready to put chevrons to this episode. Yeah, I know, which is a little weird. Like, this is the end of season five, and at least I, and I get the impression that you, are both like, yeah, it's fine. Let's move along. Yeah, well, I, I am definitely ready for the beginning of season <laughs> Me six. Me too. Yeah, uh, yes, as um, absolutely. And in knowing what I know is coming up, I'm ready for season six. Yeah, um, okay. And uh, so, but, you know, this is... And you know what? I'm actually glad that in real time, there was only two weeks between this and the beginning of the next season. Oh, uh, yeah. If I yeah. had to sit with this for three months. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. I know that we said that we were done talking about it, but that was kind of another thing yeah. that was crossing my mind of like, it's kind of a weird season ender. And it makes sense why it's a weird season ender. We were talking about it. They were wanting to kind of make a nice little bookend for showtime. Like they were purposefully trying to tie it up right without necessarily tying it all up yeah they wanted to set it up such that if this was your end you would not feel like they drove drove you right up to a cliff and then left you left you yep um so i appreciate that um so so with all of that yes how many chevrons out of seven will revelations receive i like a dill pickle i really do and there was a lot in here that was pretty interesting. Like, there was a lot of information that I really liked learning about. Like, a lot. Um, I'm going to give this one a six, chef, six out of seven, but I got a feeling that I might be generous. And the reason why it's six and not five is because I got a feeling that this episode is best not skipped. Um, if I thought that all of the information was going to be revealed at some point in future seasons such that it rendered this episode skippable, I would probably give it a five. And I bet that is still a possibility, but I'm going to go with the notion of, no, no, it's kind of a kind of a weird one to end, but there's an awful lot of information in here. And so 40 minutes well spent, six out of seven. All right. Um, so I'm going to give this a five. Mm-hmm. Um. And not because I think it is everything that you just said, you right. know, about because I, I don't I agree with you. I don't think this is a skippable episode. There are mm-hmm, plenty mm-hmm. of episodes, the Hathor episodes, that are utterly skippable. You could skip oh, them yeah. 
and, you know, throw in a line or two here or there and you'd be fine. Who cares? Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and you even got some episodes like Emancipation, which are utterly skippable and you don't even need oh, yeah. to throw in a line or two somewhere else. Nope. We can pretend it never happened. Yep. Exactly. Uh, this is not one of those episodes. This is an episode that you do need to watch. You do need to pay attention to what happened because this matters, um, mm-hmm. for the series. Um, but again, like we said, this is not an episode where the sum is greater than uh, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The, the sum, right. the whole is the sum of its parts. That's it. This is yep. it. That's not all there bit. is. Not a bit more. Yep. Um, now, is it bad? No, it's not bad. It's it's not bad at all. This is, you know, even a five. Five is pretty good. It's a... Yes. You know, um, but it's not it's not great. So I'm going to give it a five. Yep. All right. Well, shall we see what our uh, listeners have to say about this? Yes. About this episode? Yeah. I'm pretty... All right. That pretty means- excited. I got a feeling that my six was a little over. It doesn't matter. The rule is when I say the number, it's locked in stone forever. There is some truth to that. Unless we get a rewatch, in which case things can That's right. Okay. So, uh, we begin with Dan. Hi, Dan. And I'm not recognizing Dan's last name, so this may be the first time. So, if this is your welcome, first Dan. time, welcome. And if this is not your first time, Dan, I'm sorry, sorry I, I missed forgot. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hi Dan. He says, "Ah, yes, that one episode that always stood out to me as one that really shouldn't have been a season finale." Hmm. Uh, good story continuation of the Asgard's origins. A daring rescue by our remaining heroes, but more importantly, here comes our new big bad. Anubis mm-hmm. is finally here. Mm-hmm. No, not the Anubis we already know from the original movie. That is Ra's first prime. Yeah, that, that, there's some retconning going on there. Oh, um, I totally forgot. Okay. But yeah, we have the gonna... real Anubis here. It's a fair yeah, episode, yeah. he says, but not a great episode. The acting of our heroes is put on full display as they have to go about their business just after losing their conscience. Amanda mm. Tapping is great, and you just want to mm-hmm. reach through the screen and give her a big hug. Yes. I'd say this is a five from me and a five from the guys. Good story, but mm-hmm. again, the season finale was really last week's episode, and this just feels out of place. Enjoy your break. You know, it, I've it just started my way. yearly binge to hold me over. In the meantime, season two has already begun. My girlfriend is actually interested in watching this year, Ooh, but seems nice. perturbed by my saying the lines with the show... I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> Let's do that, dude. It's all right. It's all right. Just, just say it inside your head. Yeah. It'll still be just as funny. So, uh, thank you very much, Dan, uh, for that. Thank you, Dan. Yes, uh, absolutely. And if Brent was, you know, Brent has already said that he thinks maybe his six is a little bit high. And if he, you know, whatever. So you were close. Well done. Oh, yeah. We have Kimberly. No, it's a week six. Week six. It is a week is Kimberly six. said, hi, Kimberly. Week says week week. <laughs> no nope. talk. Kimberly is not weak. Kimberly says Kimberly, you're not weak. I just can't talk. She says nope. The story continues even after a devastating blow last episode. Story threads are cast out for the writing conflicts to come, but this mm-hmm. episode can't compare to the impact of Meridian. Jack grieves yeah. in the way he always has, as he did in the movie, distracting himself with work and stuffing his feelings. We see Sam go through the stages of grief, grief 
which Brent mirrored last episode. Mm. <laughs> and Amanda Tapping does a brilliant job acting. All of that, she predicts that Brent will give this a five, and I will give it a six. Mm-hmm. Mm. Flip us around. Flip us around. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Tim says, fives all around. Hi, mm-hmm. Solid story, yep. but nothing too exciting. But it does yep. help to set up future seasons. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Justin says... Hi, Justin. Denouement. Le Sai. Seven for Brent Le because sigh. character. Seven for Zach because spoilers. Wait, what? Sevens? I, Brent, Justin, when we get together and talk, we're going to have to have no. a conversation about this. <laughs> Over Bloody Marys. Well, you guys can drink the Bloody Marys. I'll just drink, like, high percentile meat or something bloody like mary's out of fish bowls Ooh, yep boy. that's that's how we roll friends there although we have not yet done that we th- we keep threatening to do that but we have not actually done that it's probably just as well you're not as young as you used to be and neither is oh, justin and neither boy, is i oh boy yeah. is i well, neither is i <laughs> neither is neither is i <laughs> all right it's been a long day it has been a long day. <laughs> all right let, let, let's keep going Let's keep it going. Uh, Sondis says, hi, guys. Hi, Sondis. I want to apologize for the potential spoilers in my comments last time. I was just talking about that episode. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No problem, Sondis. If I see potential spoilers for Brent, and I don't think they were necessarily spoilers from your perspective, but they may have been for Brent, given where Brent was and everything. I so, don't You're fine. Think and And so? you know what? I will... Uh, I, I will redact anything that needs to be redacted, but you go ahead and write what you need to write. It's pretty no safe kidding. to say that Brent doesn't watch Facebook. No, I do not. And now that it's become a gag, I absolutely do not. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a safe space for all y'all. It's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Go nuts. All right. So she says, uh, I just want to talk. So it was interesting to see the different ways of grieving of the characters. Brent mm-hmm. six, Zach five. No way! Dead serious. There you go, Sondis. Sondis, you got, got it. it. Woohoo! Oh, so good. Awesome. Well done. All right. Yes. All right. We have Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says Dr. Frazier doing Asgard voice Heimdall is pretty funny. Yeah. This it is, is just it a was fun, fun episode all around. Six chevrons all around, and thank you, Julie, for the bagel recipe. Who else had bagels today? So, oh, nice. So, Sean, uh, this is for you, Brent. Uh, a couple of days ago, Sean uh, posted some bagels that he got in uh, the UK uh, mm-hmm. and uh, said, you know, he was just getting ready for this episode uh, and wondered who else uh, was getting ready for this episode by eating some bagels. And then uh, mm-hmm. Julie proceeded to <laughs> offer her favorite bagel recipe. Uh, and yeah. there you go. Um, there you go. Nice. I have to admit, Sean, that I had toast this morning for breakfast i did not have a bagel uh but i promise you that i will have a bagel sandwich tomorrow you know one could explain my artificially high rating by my breakfast because this morning i did not indeed have a plain bagel with plain cream cheese which is delightful but instead i had some tater tot casserole with breakfast meats and cheese and eggs it was real good well there you go there you go when you say tater tot casserole to me i'm like oh I'm sure that'll be fine. But no, if you it was, loved it. You, it was delightful. You, you know, you It you, was delightful. Yeah. So part of it is that I grew up eating tater tot casserole at home and mom always put peas in the tater tot casserole and I oh. hate peas. I despise peas. Everybody For anybody out there knows. who loves peas, great. You can have my share of peas. It's, 
Yeah. It's so it's it, like, you know, but that's the thing though, is that like American breakfasts are strangely devoid of vegetables. That is true. Like you don't do veggies in American breakfast. Not generally. And no, potatoes are not a vegetable. They're a tuber. Tuber. It might be a tuber. It's not a tuba. Anyway, it is a tuba. It's a tuba. It is. It's a tuba. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? (laughs) All right. So we should continue. (laughs) Yes, we should. Thank you, Sean. (laughs) Thanks, Sean. All right, JD. Hi, JD. The group, including Heimdall, is in mortal Mm -hmm. danger. Anubis is shadowy and evil. Mm -hmm. Danger, intrigue. Daniel. Daniel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Five out of seven all around. Five out of yeah, seven. <laughs> Five out of seven Severons. Seven Severons. Yeah. Yep, there we go. Wow. That's how we're okay. going to do it for now. Yeah, well, JD, you hit my score, and you missed Brent's by one because Brent was feeling especially generous, generous. because he had a great Tater non-bagely breakfast. So just, just chaos to clarify, here, guys. Yeah. Brent yeah. can have a good breakfast and it can affect things, but it doesn't yes. have to be bagels. Correct. There you go. Because if I were predictable, what fun would that be? Well, it could be a lot of fun depending on the situation. Well, it wouldn't be any fun for me. So there uh, we go. Oh, That's what I'm in okay. for. I'm in for my fun, not yours. No, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we do have a few more <laughs> uh, predictions <laughs> via email. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I, I'm only now realizing that I forgot to ask for things on Twitter. I should check anyway. I wonder if somebody did. Sure. Carry on. You do your thing. All right. So we have Chad. Or not Chad. Wow. Hi, Chad. I can't read. It's not Chad. It's Chris. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Sorry, I totally Chris. misread your name as Chad. I don't Chad. know why. Where that came from. <laughs> it's Chris. Wow. Oh, oh. my gosh. All right. In it's case, terrible. He says, hey, Zach and Brent. It's Chris. See, look at that. He just says, it's like, where am I? I don't know. I'm, my brain's broken. This is a broken good brain. packed episode. More Asgard lore, cool new mind probing technology, a villain that poses a real threat even to the Asgard, and Anubis has some new personal bodyguards. I'd give it a seven out of seven chevrons. Brent will give it six, and Zach will give it six and a half. Oh! Wow, Chris. So, um, now that you have heard us talk about this episode and me, while you did hit Brent six and you. Did not hit my seven. Um, how would say more? I want to know more about where the why this is a seven for you because I I'm I'm legitimately interested. I'm curious. So if you have time and want to, please share. Mm-hmm. All right, we have indeed yes, Aunt Susie. Hi, Aunt Susie. <laughs> All right, she says Brent and Zach. I'm yeah. going to give this episode a seven because after the horrific events of Meridian, I think they did a fine job of piecing together the shattered lives of SG-1 as they yeah, face right. their next mission as a team of three. I That's not a that. bad read. Yeah. The writers also lost no time in moving forward valiantly with a mythology-rich episode filled with Asgard's a seethingly evil Osiris and the appearance of uber-villain Anubis. But mostly, I have to give kudos to Amanda and the writers, Joe and Paul, whose dialogue captured the hurt, anger, and grief so many fans felt at the loss of the character of Daniel Jackson. The scene with Sam in Daniel's office as she so tenderly touches and handles Daniel's glasses and notebook broke my heart. 
The final seed with the breeze yeah. ruffling yeah. Sam and then Jack's hair was a nice nod to Daniel, as it was an affectionate gesture that Jack had done to Daniel in the past. Also, I found it reassuring that Michael Shanks was still voicing Thor. Yes, I didn't say that, but it's still true. I was wondering. Yeah. I was really, I was honestly wondering. Yep. <gasps> Wait a minute. Is this the last time that I'm going to hear Thor? Um, I will spoil that and say, no, we will hear oh. Thor's voice again. Gotcha. Okay. Which. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I won't say anymore. Yep. Good enough. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say Brent and Zach will give this a six as a worthy follow-up episode to the much-deserved Mega Chevron ratings they gave last week. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah pretty, okay. Yep. You know. Yep. Thank you very much, Aunt Susie. Yes. Thank you. Um, and finally, we have David. Hi, David. Who has end of season... End of, I cannot talk. Wow. It's all right. It's all right. Like end I said, you had a migraine Chevron this morning. You're doing... Bias you're fine. Whew. You're fine. You're fine. It's all good. I'll be, I'll what be does okay. David have to say? I'll, I'll be okay. All right. He says, Asgard versus first... Vi- <sighs> all right. <laughs> We're going to try this again. Bring it on home, Zach. Bring it on home. You can I'm do it. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. You're, you're doing great. You're doing all fine. All right. Last hundred yards. All right. Go. Okay, here we go. Asgard versus Guawuld, Thor in jeopardy, the reveal of Anubis, SG-1 to the rescue, Heimdall, a season ender that's not a cliffhanger. What's not to like? Mm. Mm-hmm. If, okay. I'll, I'll tell you what's not to like. My 3D printer. I changed the filament, and now I can't get small stuff to print properly anymore. I won't mm-hmm. adhere, it won't adhere in places and just make stringy blobs. I'll figure it out, but it's so frustrating. Of course, that has nothing to do with this episode. It's just a problem I'm having I, right now. Well, I don't know. If, I think you could call this episode a stringy blob and it would fit. Well, you know, he doesn't think it's quite stringy blob. And I will say <laughs> this, David, that I have been having some issues with uh, my extruder on my 3D printer not extruding properly, and it's been broken like that for several weeks, and I haven't had any time to think about trying to fix it and figure out what's going on, so I hear you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> are you two? Are you two done? We I am going on. to go at my pace. <laughs> David continues. Okay. <laughs> so what's not to like? Nothing uh-huh. really. It's a solid episode that mostly closes out one chapter of SG One and starts another one, and mm-hmm. all without a cl- cliffhanger. Mostly, I mean, mm-hmm. we still mm-hmm. have the fate of Thor to be concerned about, I guess. SG-1, though, what's left to them is fine, at least physical, physically. Mm-hmm. Brent will give it six chevrons for not being yes. a season-ending cliffhanger. Zach will give it six chevrons for being a good Pretty ending close. to a great season. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So those are our predictions. Thank you. Thank you, Thank everybody. You, everyone. I did take a quick peek at Twitter, and I, I didn't ask for predictions, and so I didn't get predictions, but... That's okay. Well, I had tried to remember in the last couple of weeks no, to remind you, but fine. I actually almost it's forgot. Fine. So I was tired yesterday, and which explains probably part of the reason Look, why I ended up with a migraine. But I almost forgot to put out the Facebook thing until late in the evening. I was in bed. It was, and I went to bed early because I wasn't feeling good. So it was like in the nine o'clock hour. I'm like, oh, I forgot to do that, and so I really and then got it in there. So. No, all good. And also, like, you know, I I appreciate your effort to try to remind me to do a thing, 
But that's also like, dude, you shouldn't have to remind me to do a thing. I should remember to do a thing. If I need to do a thing, I need to do a thing. Well, fair. In any case, I will continue yes. to try to remind you as long as I remember right. to remind you. I, I appreciate that. Right. Thank you for trying to remind me to remember you to remind it yep. with the thing. Yes. Now, normally, now dear listeners, I'm going to move on because we are at an hour and 37 minutes and 36 seconds. Well, now it's 39, yeah. 30, 40. <laughs> hey, good gracious. Nobody cares. Away. <laughs> ah. In any case, at this point in time, I usually say the name of the next episode and Brent describes yeah. what the episode's about. And then we watch the promo that David creates. Yeah. However, right. since this is a season finale episode oh, yeah. and we're going to take some weeks off and our next yeah. episode... Uh, our next episode, not that next episode on the feed, but the next time we record, uh, we'll be recording our season five recap. We will yes. end that one with our season six uh, trailer and all of that stuff. So yes. look yes. forward to that in a few weeks when we get that all put together. That's right. So looking forward to it. Yes. With that, uh, I say thank you. Tell us what you think. Thank you for those yes. who gave us your predictions. Uh, tell us what you think about this episode. Where did we get it right? Where did we get it wrong? Um, flesh out some of your thoughts on all those things. Email us at mm-hmm. through the Stargate mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Go to Twitter and talk to us there at Stargate Walking. Uh, go to the Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and group. Uh, if you've got a great bagel rep- recipe, uh, go ahead Ooh. and put that in there. If you've got a Share great uh, a breakfast casserole recipe, put that in there. If you've Ooh. got, uh, you know, whatever, you know, put that in there. It's fine. It's all good. It's all good. So. It's like Mongolian barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mongolian barbecue is not that good. I mean, no, I'm sure that I don't even know if Mongolian barbecue is real, but like BD's Mongolian barbecue is fine. So they do have like Who Hots, which. What? It's a restaurant. Who Hot. Oh. Which is that basically what what, which what I is described? Kind of what you were talking about, and I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Mongolian too. Uh, it's been a long time. Oh, since I've been I, there, you so see, now that's that's where I'm like kind of rolling my eyes. Like I bet you dollars to donuts that it has nothing to do with Mongolia at all. But well, yes, in any fine. case, whatever it is, however it is, wherever it is, I say I'm Zach, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Brent, <laughs> <laughs> and this has been walking through the Stargate, a Stargate podcast. It really is a Stargate podcast. Stargate, Stargate, Stargate. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Bye. Harder, dial it up. Get these people home. (laughs) 